You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Big Show Hour 4 coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation walls. Well, we have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Canada getting underway at the FIBA World Cup in uh, they're in Jakarta, Indonesia right now, taking on number five world number five France, and they're blowing them out midway through the fourth quarter, seventy-seven fifty-two. Great game from Shea Gilgis Alexander so far. Uh, catch the finish right now on Sportsnet West. Uh, we go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Hour Guest Hotline. Uh, we're joined by uh, Three Down Nation and Sportsnet CFL Insider Justin Dunk. The CFL week got underway in Winnipeg last night. Justin, how are we doing today? Doing well, buddy. What about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just watching Canada take the freaking boots to France here. That's awesome to see. Uh, last <laughs> night, is. though, yeah. Uh, last night, though, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, put the boots to the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, Zach Kalaros, I, I love I loved the way John Hodge opened the story uh, with his uh, breakdown of the game. Uh, where is it here? Uh, Zach Kalaros was the most productive player of the night for both teams, generating at least two touchdowns for either side. I thought that was hilarious. Of course, uh, Zach, you know, a little bit of rough start for him, but uh, he, he settled in there. The four touchdowns total, and they blow the Alouettes out uh, 47-17. Just a thought on the Week 12 opener. Dude, it was a whooping. Yep. A good old-fashioned beatdown <laughs> from the Blue Bombers, and even though Zach Caleros was doing his best to kind of keep the Alouettes in it, he played above and beyond that consistent football, and I think it was an important game for the Blue Bombers to bounce back after, you know, a sloppy game, I would say, last week in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then the other side for the Alouettes, it was a chance for them to show that they're contenders, but I still think there's a ways to go there before we anoint them as such. Was uh, maybe it too soon to go at Cody Fajardo? Was maybe Caleb Evans the right guy to go with last night? I think as long as Fajardo's healthy then you got to play him. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is an easy decision. Caleb Evans did look good for a couple of games, but his team's much different looking, and they're more confident with Fajardo in there at the moment. And uh, More from, uh, I guess, in that post-game uh, thoughts from John Hodge, he, he brought up the point that, the, and this has been a, been a kind of a, a talking point, maybe it was at the start of the year, but it's kind of maybe gone by the wayside, but uh, they listed Walter, Fe- Walter Fletcher as the starting running back, but then William Standback was given that designated American thing uh, where he starts anyways. Is, is this just becoming just like, I don't know if the CFL has done a great job of explaining it to the fans. I don't know if it's concerning to the fans, but if they see that, if they're reading the death chart and they see, oh, well, Standback's not starting, or in Calgary, oh, Kadeem Carey wasn't starting. Like, like is it just a little bit more added confusion to the league? It is, yeah. I think it's a little bit silly because then people look at it from a betting perspective yeah. too, right? And they're going, is William Samek starting or not? Like for the people that don't necessarily follow the league closely, and that could alter the way that they bet on the game. So I understand it from a rules perspective, but it just looks so silly. I mean, mm-hmm. if you tried to understand to a first-time CFL fan that, oh, the actual best running back is the backup because there's this designated American thing that really not too many people in the league understand, and even the personnel guys were confused by it at the start. But don't worry, like William Stanback's going to get the bulk of the carries. Be like, 
what? Like, just listen as a starter like the NFL does. Yeah, it, it just doesn't make any sense. On the, uh, the CFL just loves to complicate things uh, for its fan base. Uh, now, <laughs> staying in Winnipeg there a little bit, uh, does it feel like right now, as we're, we're, we're heading into Labor Day, does it feel like right now all the roads lead through IG Field in the West again? I know BC is there, but they've showed that they, they can be had. They've been sloppy in, in their losses. Definitely, and especially the most surprising loss was the one in Saskatchewan. Right? I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. The Rough Riders were in a spot, I think, where they came out with a lot of emotion in that game. Jake Dolgala had something to prove. So I think that has opened up the door for Winnipeg to at least have some breathing room now in that number one spot. We're used to that in the West Division the last number of seasons with the Blue Bombers going to three straight great cups and sort of clinching the division early in the regular season. I think it's still to be contested here because mm-hmm. the Lions are going to be right there with them, and there's an important game between those two teams that's still on the schedule to decide the tiebreaker. But I think the Bombers have shown that they are, at the moment, the class of the West. Uh, the team that's on the bye this week, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders mentioned there, Jake Dolgala coming in last week uh, for the injured Mason Fine. Do they feel like they could, they have something with Dolgala that they they'll be? Con- I mean, obviously they'll be the underdog in the in the Labor Day matchup with Winnipeg. But do they feel maybe that Dolgala can be their guy until maybe Harris comes back at the end of the year, which is doubtful. I think Dolgala or Mason Fine could be the guy there, but. For right now, it has to be Dolagala just because of the injuries. And he looked really good, right? That was their biggest win of the season. Yeah. So it would be hard for the Rough Riders coaching staff, personnel department, and even the guys in the locker room to take in. Well, Jake Dolagala just won the biggest game of the season, but we're going to start Mason Fine. Like, that doesn't really make any sense. So I think it makes a lot of sense to continue to ride Jake Dolagala, the hot hand who was throwing the ball down the field very confidently mm-hmm. in his first start. If you compare Dolagala's first start to Mason Fine's first start, it looks vastly different in terms of comfort and command of the offense. Yeah, getting Keenan Schaefer-Baker back as well uh, will, will obviously help that offense uh, too going forward for, for a guy like uh, like Jake Dolagala. Uh, the team here in town, the Calgary uh, Stampeders, uh, coming in uh, with two straight losses. They're the Argos appoint- opponent tonight uh, for, for Week 12. Argos coming off the bye. The Stamps offense is struggling. But, I mean, the Stamps, they've played Toronto very well since 2014, going, uh, I believe, 15-1 over that stretch. Uh, what are we thinking about tonight? Stamps, 10.5-point. Uh, Dogs. The offense is lethargic, and I mean, this is this is really unseen territory for the Stampeders, really since two thousand four. Yeah, man, it's been a long time that the Stamps have not looked this good or have looked this bad, I should say. Mm-hmm. And you consider too, Kadeem carries on in the lineup. Tommy Lee Lewis, who might be one of the most explosive yeah. and exciting players on the team. I mean, there's some other guys that have some pop as well, but it does not look like a good situation for the Stampeders to be going into. But sometimes, like. Last week with the Rough Riders starting Jake Dolagala, the third quarterback of the season, that produces the team to come together, right, and know that everybody's got to step it up to help out the guy that maybe needs some help in some of those areas. And Jake Mayer, I think, is a guy that definitely needs some help from the rest of the team. He's played inconsistent football. He has to play much better for the Stampeders to climb out of this hole that they found themselves in to start the season. 
Is it Mayer, like, just him needing to be more consistent? Because I believe this is going to be his 20th consecutive start now for the Stampeders. It's the most since Bo Levi Mitchell did between 2018 and 2019. So he's had a really good run of games here. Is it just, like, how much longer can they wait for him to, to finally click in? Because as a backup, he's shown that he can do, do great things. And even this year, he's shown that he can do great things. But are we just, maybe in Calgary, it's just where we're so used to having a quarterback just be so good. <laughs> yeah, and always have that next guy. Yeah, there, exactly. Right? Like next guy up. Levi Mitchell came through, Henry Burris, you know, going back to the days when Dave Dickinson and yeah. Jeff Garcia were there and obviously Doug Flutie before it. So Calgary's been spoiled with quarterbacks. Part of that has been their great development there. And I think it's a valid question because a lot of people were wanting to see down the road in Edmonton, Trey Ford start over Taylor Cornelius early in the season. But mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit different with Jake Mayer that he's shown flashes, but there's a major difference between, as you mentioned, being the backup guy coming off the bench versus being that guy yeah. that's the dude that everyone is looking to. So I think that has to change for Mayor. He has to take hold of this team from a leadership perspective. And the way that you really do that is to start playing winning football. He's got to stop turning the ball over so much, and he needs to come up with some plays at crunch time or put the stamps in a situation where they can just pound the rock in the fourth quarter like the Blue Bombers do so well with Brady Oliveira, just like Kadeem Carey and Dedrick Mills go to work because they actually have a lead in the final frame. I know for uh, coach and GM Dave Dickinson, he's he's preached the faith. He's preached, you know, stay together. You know, there's still a lot, of, a lot of ground left to make up here. But this is really unknown territory for him as a coach and player in the CFL. This is a guy who's who's won as a starter, who's won as a coach. This is really some un, unseen territory for him. Is there a chance maybe he, because I know he stepped back, he's not playing the, calling the plays this year. Is there maybe a chance if, if Calgary does lose to Toronto and they go into Labor Day with, who knows, the Elks having a chance to tie them in the division. Is there a chance maybe Dickinson resumes play calling down the line here? You would have to think that's something to be talked about, but I don't think play calling has been an issue for yeah. the team. I think it's more on execution with Jake Mayer, mm-hmm. and I think without knowing the offensive plays that are called all the time, there's some better reads that he could have made, especially not throwing the ball into traffic. And I think when it's there in the one-on-one situations, being confident to step into it and fit into a tight window. He's done it at times, but other times he's kind of been checked down Charlie and done that a little too much. So I don't think it has anything to do with Mark Mueller as a play caller or Dave Dickinson as a play caller. Mm -hmm. Perhaps that's a discussion to have, as you said, if there's another loss and there becomes some more pressure there. But I think it's just more about execution with this team. The offensive line hasn't been great, but they've been solid. There are some playmakers there on offense. If you look all over the place, so I think it just comes down to Mayer having to be better. And I think also the defense needs to play at a higher caliber. It almost seems like when the offense plays well, the defense doesn't play well. But the defense plays really well. And then the offense doesn't play well. They kind of can't get that complimentary football going. Uh, Toronto Argonauts, the opponent tonight for the Calgary Stampeders. Chad Kelly, uh, obviously, he got banged up in that last meeting, uh, but none, none, the, none the worse to wear there. He, uh, he played the next week. Uh, they have a bye week. Uh, just how far do you think Chad Kelly can take this group? I think he can take this Argonauts group all the way to the Grey Cup. And if he didn't get hurt in that game at Calgary, I think the Argonauts win it somewhat easily. And we're talking about the potential for an undefeated season. Do I think that's possible? Not necessarily because it's never happened in CFL history, but the way that this team has come together under Chad Kelly's yeah. leadership with guys like Andrew Harris and DeVaris Daniels 
on offense. Those are two other critical leaders for this team. And then also the guys on defense, I think, have really come together fast because it's somewhat of a new unit. Enoch Mwamba hasn't even dressed in a game this year. Yes, he's on the sidelines and is providing leadership, but you have Jordan Williams in the middle. You have Flo Ormelade, who St. Peter's fans mm-hmm. will know really well, doing his thing on the outside. Roy Smetchy, I think, has really stepped up from a playmaker's perspective and a leadership perspective. So I think this team is very well-rounded. They can get it done in games. You've seen games where the offense played really well, maybe where the offense didn't play so well, the defense picked them up, or Javon Leake, this budding star returner that they have, has made some key critical returns for them as well. So this Argonauts team is very well-rounded. They protect the football. They take away the football. And I think it will be a difficult task for the Stamps. Yeah, we will see uh, this evening for sure. Uh, talking with Justin Dunk from uh, Three Down Nation and Sportsnet CFL Insider. Uh, the free trade forward movement worked. It's his team now in Edmonton. They've been playing some good ball since uh, he took over at quarterback. Uh, I've been saying it mainly all this week. I think this is the one. I think this is the week, Sunday, that they can end this home losing streak against Ottawa. Do you agree? I definitely agree, dude. I think this is... The week that it finally all comes to an end for Edmonton Elks fans. St. Peter's fans might want to see this one <laughs> continue, but, dude, it's been way too long. Like, yeah. it just, for whatever reason, looks bad on the league that you have a team that's that bad. Like, we're talking about a professional team mm-hmm. that has lost 22 straight home games in a spot where you're supposed to have an advantage. Like, they're supposed to be an advantage to not having to travel and sleeping in your own bed and playing at home and, you know, not have the noise on offense, but have your fans make noise for the defense and all that kind of stuff. Now, there's been a string of losses here that have been really tough to swallow for the Elks, some games that they had, Mm -hmm. like even the last one at home. Up 22-0 against Winnipeg. Yes, I know the Blue Bombers have been the gold standard in the CFL for the last number of seasons, but you got to close that game out, man. So I feel like this is the one, but then that said, like, we can't be sleeping on Dustin Crum and the Red Blacks. He's been up and down, mm-hmm. but he's shown at times he can play really high-quality football, and their defense is pretty good too. So I think it could be the one, but the Elks got to come out and get it done for 60 minutes. It's so yep. cliche, and I hate to say it, but play for 60 minutes hard with Trey Ford, a quarterback, and I think the Elks can get away. Yeah, and then Ottawa, of course, coming off a, a bad loss there, blowing that 17-3 lead at the half to to Montreal at home. Uh, one more game to, uh, to get to this weekend is the Hamilton Tire Cats uh, as they're limping into BC Place. Uh, things have not gone as expected for this group. Maybe similar to how folks feel here in Calgary, but uh, injuries a big factor there in Hamilton. But what do you think could happen if this group uh, does miss the playoffs? 8-10 and 10 last year. You go out and get the big fish in Bo Levi Mitchell. Obviously, he's been banged up, but like, how much you know, like, can this group take if, if they do have a, a bad year where they miss the playoffs? Oh, dude. <laughs> that's a great question. I mean, it's more of a veteran group that's come together, yeah. but I think what you're getting at is the coaching staff. There. Uh, I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of disappointment, right? And we've seen a coaching move made already with Tommy Condell being fired and Scott Milanovic installed as the offense coordinator. Not a name, but that's just a contract yeah. thing. So yeah. I never really thought that that was the problem, though. Like, the offense to me wasn't the problem. You had Tommy Condell, who was trying to get this young quarterback in Taylor Powell ready for games and actually did a pretty decent job of it. And I thought he looked better with Condell than he did in, albeit just one game with Milanovic. Now I think Milanovic is really good. He's a quarterback whisperer of sorts, right? You've got to remember he developed Zach Kolaris and Trevor Harris mm-hmm. and obviously was with Ricky Ray in Toronto. So 
I think that there is a lot of pressure in there in the hammer, especially with the veteran group that they had. If Bobby by Mitchell was healthy, you could have argued that that probably would have helped, but look at his touchdown interception ratio. Yeah. I think he's thrown three touchdowns and nine picks. So it's not like he was showing any signs mm-hmm. of getting back to any sort of form that we saw with him in Calgary. And I was hyped up about it, man. I thought it was great. Believe I mentioned coming to Hamilton in a great cup year, created all this, this excitement in that area. I know that area well from working at yeah. CHTV there, the local station, but it has been the complete opposite of what the Tiger Cats people envision going into the season. It's been a nightmare to be frank. Yeah, it is it's scary, and they uh, they have to deal with a, a nightmare at quarterback there in Vernon Adams, who's coming off a 455-yard game against the Riders. Uh, don't look now, Justin, uh, but here comes another Ohio Bobcat named Rourke Curtis, uh, top in the CFL <laughs> Scouting Bureau rankings for the 2024 CFL Draft. Uh, what makes uh, Curtis Rourke so special? Dude, he's a really great leader, and I think he gets some of that trait dripping off from Nathan Rourke and he's got some unique arm talent. And even Nathan will tell you that at the same age, Curtis is much farther ahead mm. in terms of his development as a passer, right? He's very cerebral. He sees the field really well. If Rourke wouldn't have suffered, Curtis, that is an ACL injury last year. There are some people that think he would have entered the transfer portal and perhaps would have went to yeah. a bigger name school, but there have been a number of quarterbacks that have come out of the Mid-American Conference, the MAC, and played really well in the NFL, Ben yeah. Roethlisberger being one of them, right? He's obviously retired. There's been a number of them, too. Mm-hmm. So I think Curtis Rourke is going to get legit NFL draft consideration, especially if he stacks another really video game-like yeah. season with his numbers. Yeah, no, that's definitely exciting. So I obviously want to see Canadians uh, have success in the NFL uh, before they, you know, come up here, of course. But, you know, always good to see Canadians play quarterback, uh, of course, up here. What other uh, standouts uh, from that uh, initial list uh, of the CFL Scouting Bureau? Like, uh, obviously, O-linemen littered throughout. Yeah, I mean, there's a handful of guys, but for me, the dude that I'm looking at this year coming out that everyone needs to pay attention to, and he's actually from the Calgary area, is Nick Weeb, an outstanding linebacker with the University of Saskatchewan, used to be at the University of Oregon, and then ended up coming back to play his football in Canada in university to be closer to his family. So that dude, to me, I've been around him enough covering games in the Canada West Conference out there, and he just has that it factor. He's a leader, and when he walks into a room, you're going to look at him. If you're ever standing beside him, you're going to be like, yo, this dude is definitely a pro linebacker. Like, he is cut up. He's got that big neck and just a frame. Like Alex that, you Singleton, kind of. He does. Yeah. He does. Yeah, he does. He does. I think Singleton might be a little bit taller, but they're mm. pretty close, and he has that pedigree of playing, albeit just for a couple seasons, at a big-time program in the Pac-12. No, that'll be for sure exciting to see uh, uh, going forward here. Uh, CFL announced this week a couple numbers, good numbers, I guess, in their eyes. Ratings up 29% in their 25 to 54 demographics, stronger revenue in the three largest markets, also touting the exciting play. Is, is this big news or just, just more small potatoes from the CFL? No, I think it's big news, okay. to be quite honest. I think there's a lot of positivity around the league right now, and rightfully so. Are there things to work on? Yes, but we're used to seeing these TV ratings go down year over year, especially with more people cutting the cord and going to stream. Yep. Right? So I think the fact TV ratings are up are a big, big positive for the CFL that they have people tuning in to those games. And, you know, by and large part, like I stream a bunch of games, but 
you kind of look at some of the numbers and still a lot of people are watching sports on TV. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. I think it's a real metric to measure it by, and especially with that key age demographic being up by that big of a number, as you said, 29%. I think that's very positive. Although we're talking about 25 to 54, like it used to be a smaller spread there in terms of the demographic, yeah. but it's still positive that it's up. I think it is great that the CFL has had increased attendance, the ownership, especially in BC with the Mardoman and in Montreal with Pierre Carl Pelado has really helped. And overall the league has to be happy with this season. I think a lot of people are looking for that cherry on top to potentially be a team out in Halifax, yeah. but uh, that's a much bigger question to tackle. Yeah. That's a, that's a, for another day for sure. My concerns though, Justin are, are lie in the province of Alberta. We, we know what Edmonton is going through and what they have been over the last four seasons, really. And in Calgary, the attendance continues to drop. You know, is there any concern in the, in the league office as to what's going on in our fair province regarding our CFL teams? They won't say it publicly, but I definitely think that there is in Calgary. Yeah. Although I think just so much of that has to do with the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Like what I didn't know is that, you know, St. Peter's would like to do some certain things at the stadium, but they're just simply not allowed to by the people that run that building there. So I think some of it is with not within the stamps control and you would like to see that go up there, but like I hate saying it. Without Bo Levi Mitchell there, yeah, there's, there's no, no real name. Huge draw. Yeah. And yeah. people will be like, Well, we have stars, you know, like Kadeem Carey and Reggie Bagleton, and that's no slight of the players, no. but I'm talking about name recognition, yep. right? Like when I tell someone who has never heard about the CFL or maybe has heard about it a little bit about the big names in the league, a lot of times they just look at me blank in the face and like, well, I've never heard of that dude. And sometimes, you know, you're talking about some of the greats like a Bo Levi Mitchell or yeah. Zach Calaris right now who's playing at a high level. So I think that's part of the issue in Calgary and Edmonton, that losing streak has just been so terrible. And they were coming off Chris Preston, who I think just alienated the fans there in Edmonton. I actually thought Victor Quee, who was recently let go by the Elks was doing a great job of bridging that gap back with the fans. So I think there's some work to be done there, but there's actually some positives in Edmonton. And I just would like to see some excitement in Calgary, right? People get mm-hmm. so hyped up for many different things out there. The stampede being one of them. So yeah, we, somehow the stampeders need to f- uh, feed into that. It, it feels like, like there's a lot more uh, local sports in the local scene here in Calgary. Now that maybe there weren't 10 years ago, we have a CPL team. Now we have the basketball team and, and you know, it feels like the CFL, it isn't that option anymore for a lot of fans. It's just, people are just starting to spread their money out elsewhere. Uh, that's why I, that's what I think it is. It's just there's more there's more things to do now and the stamps maybe aren't at the top of the list. That's a fair point, right? You got the Canadian Premier League team out there, yeah. you got the as you mentioned the basketball team, you got the Roughnecks, you got, you know, like, Dub Hockey. Obviously so. the, they don't have the same like lineage as the CFL, but it's it's it's, it's just been such a dramatic drop off cuz it, it was just like not even like, you know, 5 10 years or not even 5 years ago they were still drawing over 30,000 at that stadium. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, some of the other markets have shown that that's possible in terms of bounce back. Like, look at BC, right? They've had a handful of games over the last couple of years since Doman took over that were over 30,000 fans at BC play. So they had to open the upper bowl. So I just Mm -hmm. think there needs to be some energy there. It needs to be a combined effort, you know, from the city and Mm -hmm. the the people that run the stadium and also the team. But there needs needs to be some hype. There needs to be some excitement. And I don't think all of that lies at the feet of the stamps because they don't control everything with the stadium. No, exactly. I think the facility might be the the main thing, and we, we know we're fighting for the arena, we're fighting, but again, the, the arena just seems like the forefront, and then 
the area around McMahon. They want to do some field houses. I, I just know it feels like McMahon is always just getting the short end of the stick. Uh, one Definitely. more, yeah, one more with you, Justin. Uh, in Edmonton, they uh, they they did change the president. They named a Rick Lack, Rick Letla Shore as the the interim. He returns. Uh, do you think this is could be a move towards like they want to get things right there in Edmonton, going back to the past? Going back to the past in what way? In the in the president side, because when Rick ran the team, that was a successful group, and obviously the league's a little bit different now. But you think they can maybe get back to that with him? I think that's possible. He obviously yeah. knows that market and knows what he's doing there, and he helped guide the BC Lions, especially after David Braley passed away and the sale from his estate to Amar Doman. So I think it's a guy that the league knows well. Most importantly, the governors know him well. So I think they'll yeah. trust him. And I think it's a guy that can certainly help in the interim period. He was retired, and I think he wanted to spend some time with his family, but he so clearly loves the CFL that he wants to go back there and guide this franchise forward. And whether it's him for a bit longer term than maybe he expects, I don't think that would be a bad thing. And I, I lied. One more, actually. Uh, Nathan Rourke, do you think he makes the 53-man roster in Jacksonville? Oh, my goodness. I'll answer that two ways. Do I think he deserves to make the 53-man roster? Hell yes. Will he make the 53-man roster? I think that's up in the air. Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, talked about it this week and said, yeah, we've had conversations about it, but it doesn't seem like a slam dunk. And I think the Jags got to be careful here because you only one hit away in the NFL, right, from your backup yep. quarterback playing. So let's say the worst happens for the Jags. Trevor Lawrence takes a hit. He's out for the season. We've all seen it a number of times. And C.J. Beathard plays. I don't think C.J. Beathard is going to excite anybody. But what Nathan Rourke has shown in the preseason, mm -hmm. yes, I understand it's the preseason, is that he has some intriguing tools. He's more along the lines of Trevor Lawrence. So do you want to risk putting that guy on waivers and have another NFL team snap him up? Because there would be multiple NFL teams that would take Nathan Rourke right now with the way that he's commanded that offense, picked up the verbiage in the scheme. Like, this dude only got there in the spring for OTAs. Yeah. Right? He signed in January. We're talking about comparing Nathan Rourke to C.J. Beathard. And C.J. Beathard has been in this offense now for his second year. So Rourke looks in command. He looks way more athletic. The Jaguars are out here talking about liking C.J. Beathard's athleticism. I'm like, dude, are we watching the same players? Uh, Honestly, anybody who has a pair of eyeballs, I don't care if they've seen a down of American football or Canadian football or not, can tell you that Nathan Rourke's a better quarterback. So I think it's still up in the air. He definitely deserves it. But the best part for him is if he doesn't stay on the Jaguars' 53-man roster, another team I'm sure will be happy to have him. Yeah, exactly. NFL coaches make more problems than they they seem to solve when they they have an they have one right in front of them and they can fix it. But well, we'll see if Doug Peterson makes the right call. Uh, Justin, thank you so much for for joining me. Enjoy the weekend of football, buddy. Yeah, buddy, you too. Thank you. There you go. There's Justin Dunk joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. 15 time Consumer Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403 248 3344. Canada with a massive win over uh, France at uh, to kick off the FIBA World Cup. Uh, they won by 30. Was it 95 65 GBP? You see that? You see the final score? No, I didn't see it. Sorry. Okay, I, I think it was. That's yeah, all good. All good. I think it was 95-65, The final. Uh, either way, great start from Canada uh, to get underway at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, around the corner, we'll uh, replay our conversation with Justin Bourne. Talks uh, the Matthews signing and uh, some other NHL offseason stories as we get closer and closer to, closer to training camp uh, here. Uh, in in the, as we get closer to September, I guess you know training camps will be open up uh, before you know it. Uh, that's around the corner as uh, Big Show Hour Four continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.